0: can work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash travel. That's wise.com slash travel. Thank you to wise for supporting today's show. This episode of zero to travel is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available. Intelligent four by four is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at nissanusa.com. So I define play as any joyful act you
1: do which has no results.
0: You just heard from my guest today, Jeff Harry, and his definition of play, which is actually his entire job, is to help people play and to play himself. (laughs) Really fascinating work that he's created for himself. And of course, we dive into this and talk about how play relates to travel. And From that, the conversation takes many wonderful and interesting twists and turns. We touch on things like expectations and happiness and toxic positivity. And he even issues a challenge to everybody at the end of this show. And there's just a ton of takeaways from this conversation that you can implement into your life starting today, starting after this show. So I'm curious to hear what you get out of this show. I certainly don't want to I don't want to spoil too much of it here. I know you're going to love listening in on the interview today. And, you know, we always have some other stuff going on in the show. We're going to give a shout out to somebody in the community. I'll share a little bit about how I play, how I like to play in my personal life. And it's all happening right now. So buckle up, strap in, grab your favorite beverage, relax, enjoy a little you time. Thanks for being here and welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. To the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel
1: based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel
0: dreams. And now, your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey, what's up? It's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire no matter what your situation or experience i imagine you desire a lot of travel at this point you know (laughs) given the uh the whole pandemic situation but good news as of the time of this recording last week or actually yeah earlier this week The first COVID-19 vaccine was given. I'm sure you've heard about it. And, you know, I feel like we're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Still a lot of work to be done, but uh, it's going to be opening up soon, I hope. And just do want to give a quick thank you to all of the medical workers out there and all the people on the front lines, whether you've been working at uh, grocery stores or uh even restaurants that have been open and all these places where you're you're out and interacting with people on the front lines uh we appreciate you we really do and let's get through the rest of this together and come out stronger and of course uh as if we didn't appreciate our ability to travel before i think this is uh, this whole pandemic situation is just heightening that right for many reasons not just because we haven't really been able to travel the way maybe we are used to or at least most of us but also you know it's this is a virus that has no it doesn't know borders and cultures and nationalities or anything Uh, and it's just a reminder that any time is our time right whether it's from a virus like this or something else we never know when our time is up. So not to sound too morbid or anything, but I'm just saying that as a gentle reminder, as a little kick in the butt for you just to remember that and as if you need me to to remind you. But I think this whole situation is a reminder of that is my point. And that can be a good uh a good motivator to empower us to not let too much time go by uh, where we're not doing the things we really want to be doing. One of the things I've been putting off that I uh, am excited that I finally started doing, uh, it was more for lack of time, but maybe that was just an excuse, right? Uh, But I was like, you know what? I'm going to dive into this. I'm going to do this thing. So I'll I'll tell you about that in a second. And this is a bit of play for me, right? We're talking about play today, as you heard at the top of the show. It might sound like a funny topic, but you're going to be surprised at how much I think it relates to travel, and Jeff and I talk about that, and it's just such an important part of life to play. I mean, I have two kids now, and I get to play probably more than ever as an adult with them, but even, even before I had kids, you know, I always liked to play. It's fun to play, and sometimes we get caught adulting, I learned that term from my friends, Jason and Kelly. I can't remember. I don't know where it originated, but there's this term adulting, you know, like paying bills and all these different things we have to do. And it's like, yes, that's a part of life, but we can play too. And yeah, I'll share a bit about how I'm playing nowadays outside of playing with my kids. And of course, we got a shout out uh, to somebody in the community that I wanted to recognize and more coming after the interview, but I do want to get into that. Before we do, a quick thanks to Tortuga Backpacks for supporting today's show. They've got a holiday sale running through November 21st. Now, I should tell you that the shipping cutoff is December 15th. So if you want to get something for yourself for the holidays or for a loved one or friend who loves to travel, go to tortugabackpacks.com slash zero Just do your shopping. When you check out, you'll get an automatic discount based on how much you spend. If you spend $200, you get 20% off. If you spend $300, you get 25% off. And if you spend $500 or more, you save 30%. They never do these deals. And if you've been listening to the show, you know Tortuga Backpacks, my favorite travel backpacks out there. I use their day pack religiously. I use Uh, a couple of the other packs around town. I use the Outbreaker anytime I travel and I don't have to bring a big suitcase with me because I can just, I know when I take it to the airport, I don't have to check my bag. It fits all my stuff and it's just got great design and organization. It's an awesome pack. All their stuff's great. Check it out. TortugaBackpacks.com slash zero. And if you need help Finding the right backpack for you, there's a, actually a quiz there that you can take. It's free. And it will tell you which backpack they recommend for you. You also have 30 days to try it out and ship it back if you don't like it. So you really have nothing to lose. And this is a wonderful gift, again, for yourself or for another person in your family or your friend circle who loves travel, tortugabackpacks.com slash zero Take advantage of that sale running through December 21st. But again, that shipping cutoff date is December 15th, 2020. So uh, go get your stuff. Don't delay. And thanks to them for supporting today's show. Now, let's get into the interview. And you'll pick up where Jeff and I started kind of chit-chatting. And stick around after the interview segment. We'll talk a bit more about play. I'll share a little bit about play in my own life. We will give a shout out to somebody here in the listening community, and I'll leave you with a nice little quote to end this episode. So I'll see you on the other side, my friend. Please enjoy the interview. Hey, buddy. How's it going? What's up, man? <laughs> good morning. Good sir. How are you?
1: I'm doing good. I'm just testing out all my stuff.
0: Test your stuff. I'm going to see, test your how stuff. How this works? Will I be able to see your face on this call? Cannot have this conversation without seeing your face. There you go. Does that
1: Hey, <laughs> Hello.
0: Especially because I've been seeing that. I've been seeing that mug with those. Uh, those so expressive eyebrows on those videos you've been making, which are fantastic. I mean,
1: you, you also get a little shoulder action too. That's the that's the part that people sleep on. It's about the shoulders. People sleep on shoulders, dude.
0: Oh wait, wait, what? The shoulder, the shoulder dance. People sleep
1: on the shoulder action.
0: Yeah, there you go. I'm, there you I'm
1: go. Literally doing a um. We're we're running this like workshop on this summit, and we had to record for it. Yeah. And I threw a lot of shoulders in just because I was like, I don't think anyone on the HR someone's going to be putting shoulders. You know, we got to step our game up, people. Yeah, you got to step your uh,
0: step your shimmy game up. Is that what that would be? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Get get your shimmy on. (laughs) That's something I say every day. Hey guys, it's time to get your shimmy on. All right.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I at least say that four times a day. You know, (laughs) it's really important that uh, (laughs) that and. And have a good day. And have a good day. It's
0: like the, those are interchangeable. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah, some of these sentences, I because you know I have two small kids, so some of these sentences I utter. Like we we're, just, I was just talking about this with another um, parent. It was like I, I never thought I would say that sentence in my life. You know, it's like, hey, get your hand. You know, whatever it is. Like I, I can't even think of an example. It's like the wackiest thing you can imagine. Like stop, stop putting the ice cream into the Legos and you know smearing it on the wall or something. It's like what, like. Why? Why would that combination of words ever have to come out of my mouth ever in the history of humanity? But so it goes. What time is it there? It is seven a.m. Man, oh, man, are you an early bird? I am. So like, I'm like, let's go. Whoa. Yeah, I mean, what what time are you usually up and at them?
1: I usually am up at like five or six. Not because like I'm getting up at five or six to go running. It's right. more like I wake up at five or six to make a stupid video, <laughs> like oh, I got to make this video right
0: now. <laughs> <laughs> now you're like you're gonna have your bulletproof coffee and then you're gonna do your sixty push ups and then no, you know, I see, I, I don't <laughs> even I don't even drink coffee. No, that's a. Uh...
1: I applied to that guy's podcast, but I don't even know who that dude is, and I don't know why <laughs> everyone's going crazy about his coffee, but apparently. <laughs> <laughs> that stuff's pair good
0: or something. All, all, all yeah. the rage. I don't
1: do any push-ups.
0: <laughs> no, I do the occasional push Maybe push-ups. I eat
1: fried calamari in the morning. Maybe that's yeah. what I do.
0: Yeah, that's uh.
1: And I add um, a little shimmy.
0: Yeah, a little uh fried calamari and, and a shimmy at 5.30 a.m. is always a good combination. Yeah, exactly. Very uh, really all you, uh, really uh, all you, you know, need. It's it's a classic pairing. It's like, you know, you've got uh, red wine and steak. Uh, shimmy and calamari with sauce at five 30 in the morning. <laughs> there you go. I, I am recording all this. Thankfully. I mean, this, this... this is awesome. I, I,
1: that is probably, think about that breakfast, right? Red wide, a steak and some shimmies at five in the morning, <sighs> your wife and your son come down. They're like, what are you doing? You're like, nothing. <laughs> you have it over candlelight. You're like, what are
0: you doing? There you go, this is some (laughs) fodder for your next video, right? You know, I could do a little snappy intro on you. I, I guess I should. I, I've got a little something from your website that I pulled. I did the Lazy Man's version of the intro as I copied hey, and pasted something from your About page. I mean, hey.
1: You just made up something. You're like, he
0: shimmies on Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> Full transparency here. He shimmies on Sundays. No. I'm chatting with Jeff Harry, who's an amazing guy that I've gotten to know over the last... I don't know. I guess we we first got in touch maybe a year and a half ago or so as an intro, something like that, a year ago. And you're doing some interesting work, which I think uh, when people hear this, it might make some people jealous. Like what, this dude gets to talk about playing for a living? Yes, Jeff shows individuals and companies how to tap into their true selves to feel their happiest and most fulfilled all by playing. And uh, he's worked with companies like Google, Microsoft, Southwest Airlines, the NFL, Amazon, Facebook, and so on, helping their staff uh, infuse more play into their day to day. And he was just featured in a New York Times article all about play. I've got a couple uh, questions about that as well. So, anyway, check him out at Rediscover Your Play com And Jeff, Harry, my friend, welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. This is going to be awesome. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if anybody might be wondering, like, really, what does this have to do with travel? I mean, I, I think there are certain points during longer extended trips where I, I feel like this sense of bliss where it's like, I literally feel like, wow, like the world is my playground. You know, I'm going to go out and I'm going to, you know, play in the ocean and frolic around and I'm going to jump off this waterfall and I'm going to go hiking and do this thing and explore this thing. And uh, honestly, when I think about it, it, some of the joy of travel, I could say a lot of the joy is like this childlike sense of wonder rediscovered. I mean, to use one of your terms. So in that way, travel does kind of feel like play to me, like not all the time, but it's very much like kind of getting you in that state of mind in some ways. As I was thinking about this interview, I was kind of... It's not something I thought about consciously, but since your work's around play, I was like, hmm, you know, how does this kind of fit in with, with travel? And then, and then I was kind of reading in the New York Times piece, They they were talking about sort of like this idea of novelty versus play. You know, I was trying to understand like yeah, the difference with that. I just want to hear your thoughts on, on everything I just said.
1: Yeah. So I always like to first say what I mean by play or how do I define play, right? So I define play as any joyful act you do, which has no results and you're you're fully present, right? You're not having anxiety about the future. You're not regretting the past in any way. You're just fully in flow and you're just fully present in the moment. And if there's any analogy I use, and I use this a, a ton on podcasts, it's it that play-oriented mindset is the travel mindset because it's this mindset where you're like, yes, I'm going to say yes to this. Yes, I'm going to say yes to this. I'm going to hop on this moped and this moped going to take me to a deserted island. And then all of a sudden now I'm surrounded by all these people on this deserted island. Oh, I'm now I'm having one of the best parties I've ever had in my life. And oh, now I meet the the person that i fall in love with. Like when you're in that travel mode, which a lot of people forget, especially because I speak to a lot of people that are in the working world and are like, I haven't played in a while. When was the last time I played? And I go, your most memorable moments, most of them are play moments. And the ones that people can attach to are travel moments because it's when you're in a foreign place and you're much more open to all the opportunities and willing to just say yes to what might happen.
0: Yeah, that's that's such a killer definition. Any joyful act that has no result, which to me, like I'm pretty into Eastern philosophy and sort of like a, sort of like a Zen type of my like not that I can I can be Zen, I wish I could be like hmm, you know, and and all at peace, you know, but I am from the northeast of, of uh you know, outside of Philadelphia, northeast United States, you know, we're a little we're a little aggro over there. Uh, a <laughs> little 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 filled with anxiety at times. <laughs> that Philly mentality. Yes. Yeah, that Northeast US uh, mentality. But I mean, think about any joyful act that has no result, like you said. I mean, if you're traveling and you're not ex- you're not having expectations around where things go and you're kind of participating spontaneously in the moment and one thing leads to the next and those are the most some of the most memorable uh, I guess travel memories. And um, I mean, you know, I mean, you could almost be uh, describing like meditation or just like a way of living, Absolutely. right?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, if you think about it, you know, expectations are, are the thief of joy, right? I I forgot who said that, but they really are in many ways. And if you think about, let's just tie this to travel, right? When you go and you have this specific itinerary and you're checking off all these boxes, it's just not fun. It's one of the worst ways I've ever traveled is when you, you know, you're just trying to hit all the spots But when you are like, I have bought a one way ticket, I'm going to go maybe to this like hostel or this place and I'm just going to meet some people and be like, yeah, let's go hang out with that person. Or, yeah, let's let's say yes to this like opportunity. You know, that is what that is how a kid operates dude like when they're in the playground and they're like playing with you know they come to the playground and someone's playing and they're like what are you doing oh i'll play with you okay now i'm bored now i'm gonna go play this they're just hopping from place to place willing to say goodbye to their play friend just like you're willing to say goodbye to your travel friend and then move on to your next adventure and you're just like more open to what's possible. And here's the best part is unlike, and I give this example of the groomzilla or bridezilla of like, we must have this event and the event has to go perfectly. When you are so fixated on one result, one expectation, you ignore all of the other possibilities, all of the other opportunities for connection, all of the adventures that you could go on. But when you really are in a travel oriented mindset, then you're just like, you just see everything and you're just so full of gratitude because you're like, there's so many abundant adventures for me to choose from, right? Yeah.
0: For me, I would say one of the things that I do a lot that I guess I would consider play when I look at this is, you know, playing guitar or making music. And it's one of those things where you can totally be in the moment. And it's like, I'm not sitting there trying to write a hit song or anything. I don't have like a career there's nobody even around you know it's just the joyful act and and with travel or anything in life and i mean then anybody that listens to this podcast know a lot of the stuff that we talk about when it comes to like travel also ties in with life and the kind of travel we do you know longer term or full-time travel and immersive and all that good stuff it's such a like beautiful thing to do a joyful act and without uh, any expectation or result but also in some ways, it can be very difficult because we are a very goal-oriented society. So, h- how would you recommend that somebody sets themselves up for success in terms of the day? Like, hey, I'm going to sque- I'm going to have some play today. Like, is is there some kind of intention that people can set, or how do you frame up sort of as you approach your day? Because it it is so easy to kind of go about our days, right? Like we got our routines, we got, are we going to go work? And if you got kids, you're going to drop them off or, or do whatever. Like, and it's just like, the day can get away from you, right? So like, how do you set yourself up to play every day in this way, in this way that you define it?
1: That's a good question. Uh, so let me try to tie it with with traveling, right? When when you're traveling, you're you, part of the reason why you're fully present in the moment is because, it's so foreign and you're like, oh my gosh, like I gotta figure this out, you know? So I think what you must challenge yourself if you're stuck in your normal routine is to break it. You gotta break the routine. You have to do something different um, first and foremost. Second, you have to, or I challenge people, you don't have to, but I challenge people to get bored a lot of the times the reason why the day gets away from us is because we start scrolling on social media. We start binge watching Netflix. We start stressing out about, you know, some part of our work day, right? It's so interesting that that the mind has a thought that probably ranges from nine seconds to 90 seconds. So when someone says, I've had a bad day, it's not that you had a bad day, it's that maybe you had a bad moment and then you keep running that bad moment in your head thousands of times throughout the day. So how do you catch yourself and be aware of that and then choose, be like, okay, well what, how do I wanna feel, right? And there's a part of like being able to get bored And, and that means like that you don't have to meditate, but if that's how you want to do it, we're awesome. If you want to go walk, that's awesome. But some way get to a point where you, where your mind is quiet enough that you can now start listening to that soft, quiet, curious voice. And then that curious voice is going to tell you that inner child voice is going to tell you, Hey, let's, let's. Let's write that guitar piece. You know, let's, let's, let's write them that, um, that blog, let's make this video. Let's, let's reach out to someone that you really like are interested in, but you've been like really nervous about, let's do the thing that you've been scared to do, but also excited to do, you know, and you just listen to that and you follow it and you see where it takes you. Um, It's not going to be a loud, booming voice most of the time. It's going to be something super quiet, but something that it's almost that inner child that's like, play with me, play with me. (laughs) And it always shows up, especially when you're traveling, because you don't have all of your regular responsibilities that are like screaming at you. So, yeah, you have to block out a lot of that noise in order to hear that curious voice.
0: Yeah, that's good. I think uh like you said with travel sometimes it's some of the stuff comes easier just because of the newness and to like maybe like you said lack of responsibilities in some cases and 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 maybe maybe even if you're working and traveling, you still have the responsibilities for, but for some reason it feels a little different, like yeah. maybe you, you don't have them as much or maybe you don't have certain ones. And um I
1: think also Sean uh Acor says this, uh this Harvard researcher that studies happiness and He defines happiness as uh, the joy you get as you're striving to reach your full potential. And I think why it's important to express that is because as you're pursuing that, it's not easy. Like travel isn't always easy, right? You can feel alone, you can feel isolated, you can feel, you know, like I don't know where I'm going, you know, you can feel lost. But even in that, you're still playing. It's a it's a different type of play, you know, and you're not joyful the entire time. You're not happy all the time. But if you're pursuing something that gets you closer to reaching your full potential and it's really challenging you, what happens is you actually get into something um, that they refer to in positive psychology called flow, where the difficulty of the situation and your skill set meet perfectly. And when that's happening, where you're you're striving to reach your full potential, that you're doing something that's really challenging, but you're also fully present and and you're using all of your skills to get through this, that's part of the reason why it's so exciting. That's why travel is so exciting. And if someone can figure out how to do that, you know, to find something that is really interesting and challenging and fascinating to them, and match it up with their skill level, they get into flow and you know you're in flow because you forget about time. You don't even remember. You're like in your zone of genius and you just like love that moment.
0: This episode is brought to you by US Bank. Recently I went out for tacos and it wasn't even Friday. Yes, we have Taco Friday in Norway streaming services. Go to usbank.com altitude. Go to learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account. Win big! destinations on earth we're excited to partner with nissan because our listeners know we love to celebrate the joy of exploring the world and finding the best off the beaten path destinations to visit and there's no better vehicle for that than the 2024 nissan pathfinder with seven drive modes the pathfinder's available intelligent four x four is built for even the most epic journeys and it even has the best towing capacity in its class up to six thousand pounds and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at nissanusa.com. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think anybody that's experienced that flow, you know what Jeff's talking about. I mean, I, I get it with the podcast, you know, through these conversations. It's so, I mean, selfishly, you know, it's like I get to share these uh, these conversations and people get value out of them, but I also get value out of them by talking to interesting people like yourself and getting to learn new perspectives and hear things. And it's all in real time. And like, I can't not stay in the moment. And it's just uh, such a beautiful, like, I'm loving just being here with you right now. It's just, uh, it's a, and seriously, man, it's like, it is a beautiful thing. And I feel so lucky that I just get to to do it. And people actually take their time to come on and talk to me for whatever reason. You know, you talked about awareness. And I, mean, I think you mentioned like, if if you have a, a bad moment, and you're kind of replaying the loop and things like that. I mean, it's gonna be one of the more difficult things is to, cultivate an awareness in the sense that you, you know you're almost you're outside of that and you could be like all right like this loop is playing i know this loop's playing i can't really stop it right now but like i'm i'm aware that this is a thing that's happening rather than being caught in it you're sort of outside of it you have some kind of certification in positive psychology mm-hmm. right you're a, a applied positive psychology coach is yeah. that correct okay so because this, there's this concept of toxic positivity which is like if you are uh basically being like oh okay i'm i'm experiencing one of those loops but like that that's stupid i don't you know i have so much to be grateful for like my feelings don't matter i'm just going to stuff this down you know there so there's this balance of like all right even if we can become aware of these things what's like sort of the next step to pull ourselves out of that and and be positive without suppressing our human emotions
1: oh well, so that's a great question because i think a lot of people think when they hear positive psychology they think toxic positivity right so toxic positivity is is almost manic because it's you're almost denying reality you know can you explain
0: you're, what it is so people like give people the synopsis yeah, so, yeah what... so
1: so so toxic positivity a lot of times is is um being positive regardless of the situation. You're almost ignoring everything that is going around and it's almost delusional, right? That So what positive psychology is, and this is what's super interesting, It the the founder of it is out of uh, University of Pennsylvania, Martin Seligman, he only created it, or only founded it about 30, 30 40 years ago. And the reason why was because psychology had been focused so much on what's wrong with people and barely any research had been done to figure out what's right with people. What are people doing that, that causes them to flourish, causes them to, you know, to, um, to expand and grow because there's like this small subset of people that are in depression, right? You know, I believe it's like 20 to 30% in the U S but then there's this huge group of people in the, neut- in the neutral zone. And he was just like, how do you move people from neutral to flourishing? That's where the whole self-development, personal development, like, you know, movement happen. And so positive psychology is focused on that. But what um positive psychology does is it it, it studies how to be aware and how to um take in all of the emotions. So when someone is like feeling bad, let yourself feel bad. You should be allowed to experience all of the emotions and frankly, actually, you should take in the complexity of emotion. Um, Very much like Pixar's Inside Out. Like when my dad died in, in 2015, I remember being at his funeral surrounded by my family and at one moment I felt joy. And I was like, oh, what am I feeling joy? You know, I'm at my dad's funeral. But it was like, no, wait a minute, you can actually feel sad that he's passed away feel mournful and also feel joy that there's you're surrounded by family that are supporting you right now and i think a lot of times people feel they need to they have to have one feeling only it's almost been told to us that we have to be black and white about our emotions and instead it's just like let yourself feel the whole emotion so that you can release it they um In the book, Tuesdays with Maury, Maury would always talk about that, where he would just allow himself to feel full sadness, and then once you're able to feel that, then you're able to let it go. I think a lot of people don't want to feel anything, right? They don't want to feel sad, but by preventing themselves from feeling sad, they also prevent themselves from feeling actual sheer joy. And that's why we stay in this middle ground. And you can feel it a lot of times when you're feeling stressed out, and then you grab your phone. Why are you grabbing your phone? You're grabbing your phone for connection. You're grabbing your phone for dopamine. You're grabbing your phone to numb yourself because you don't want to feel these emotions right now. You're like, oh, I want to feel these emotions. I must text someone or I must hop on Instagram or Facebook, which only makes you feel worse anyway because then you start comparing, contrasting, and you, can, you could let go of all that if you're just able to be like, to sit in the moment and just feel whatever you're feeling and not beat yourself up about it.
0: Yeah. It's interesting that you brought up technology because I hadn't really thought too much about it. Me being the, uh, the old Gen X guy here, I guess. I feel like the opportunities for play were just like naturally, more naturally a part of life before smartphones, (laughs) before everybody had a supercomputer in their pocket. Yeah. Right. I'm, I mean, may
1: I mean, yes. I mean, I don't know. It's yes and no. It's yes. That is definitely true because it's just so easy to never be present now. You know, even when you're traveling, like the amount of photos that we take. How many of the photos do you take? Do you actually look at yesterday? You you know, the, the, like a year from now, right? Right now, I think I have 40,000 photos on my computer. I wouldn't be even able to look at them if I did. Right. But we're always trying to capture the moment. And here's the ironic part is just like, like I said earlier, your most, your, your best moments of your life, many of them are play moments. You don't have your phone with you. You're not actually taking a photo at the moment that you're having your best moments. But it's even funny that as you're having an amazing moment, you feel the need to pull your camera out to be like, let's capture this this, this moment. And it's almost like when someone, when an adult, was on the playground and would turn to kids and be like, hey, kids, you having fun? Is everybody having fun now? And it just ruins all the fun because now (laughs) you're just pointing it out. Don't "Ah, acknowledge the fun. It's the greatest, you know, you guys have. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So there is that part, right? But I also don't want to, like, glorify the past and make it seem like when people didn't have phones, they weren't not present otherwise, right? There's probably more of an opportunity to... But, you know, it's kind of like, you know, back in our day, we were just so much better. And it's just like, were we, you know, <laughs> you know what, you know, our, our, our songs were just as sexual as the songs now. They just were maybe a little less explicit. So I don't want to glorify the past because I feel like people, even then, back in like even the 1950s, they were bought in by some other Jones's thing, you know, of just trying to impress one another. I think what we have to ask ourselves Um, and, and I, and I reference this because I remember what they, uh, there was a study that was done where they interviewed a thousand people right before they died. And, you know, the usual things came up of what are the biggest regrets? I worked too much. I didn't connect with family too much. But then another one that was really huge was I spent too much time trying to impress people that I didn't really care about. And I think whether you're in the 1950s or 2020, we spend a lot of time doing that. <laughs> and and if you can let go of that, you have so much more time on your hands to impress yourself and do really cool things. And if you think about it, those times when you've like quit a job and then gone traveling, it's because you're like, forget everybody. You know, I don't really need to impress my work anymore i'm out of here i'm just doing something for myself and that's why it's so liberating because you're doing something for you and not for anybody else
0: there is that uh dave ramsey quote it's like i'm gonna butcher it now we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like (laughs) have you ever heard that quote yeah yep
1: yep (laughs) it's so true and then they and then they're not even impressed it's it's almost like 7th grade all over again where you're trying to impress somebody that is never you're never going to get their approval anyway so I don't know why you're doing it in the first place.
0: You as somebody who um, runs an entire business around play I mean but it it is a business and like as a business owner you have a lot of things to do you have to like figure out how to grow your business you're trying to figure out how to make connections and all that how do you manage and, and this can go for non-entrepreneurs as well but I'm just curious if somebody works for themselves as well like how do you Kind of do the play thing without that feeling of like, all right, I've got a lot to do. Like, this isn't really in the realm of productivity because I'm not really doing all the things I need to do. Like, my business is in this place and I need it to be here, like, in any given month or whatever. like, should I do this? This isn't being productive, man. You know, like climbing this tree right now is not productive. Like I should probably be sending some emails or making some contacts because I don't have any, you know, for you. Like maybe it's like, I don't have like too many talks booked next week or it's, you know, a crazy, a pandemic hit and now all my in-person stuff. You know, like how do you balance these things in your own personal life? Because I imagine like, you have almost an extra, like, obligation to take your own advice, right? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) No, absolutely. (laughs) Well, well,
1: so here's, so there's two things that are really interesting, right? There's the first part of, like, a lot of people, if they leave corporate world, right, to start their own business, they do it because they want a new lifestyle, right? But what usually happens is they leave the business, they leave their corporation, that they're working 70 hours a week, and then they apply their the same pattern to their entrepreneur business So they don't learn anything from that, you know, they don't learn, they don't learn from the process, right? So I think if you're thinking about doing that, you have to be figuring out, well, what type of lifestyle do I want? Why am I leaving the corporate world to move on to do this thing? You know, do I want a four day work week? Do I want to take six weeks of vacation off? Like, how do, like, first figuring out how do I have this new way of, of working, right? And my new way of working is, you know, I make a lot of stupid videos. I make a lot of TikTok, you know, videos that I post on Instagram
0: and YouTube. Where, where can people find you on, the, on that, by the way? Yeah, they,
1: they can. My handle is Jeff Harry Plays, J-E-F-F-H-A-R-R-Y-P-L-A-Y-S. TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all those. Um, so I usually make like a video to start my day. Like I'll come down at like six or 7am or whatever day time I feel like it. Right. And I have to play to start my day. I have to do something creative because I know when I do something creative, it sets, it it positively primes my mind to then look for other opportunities throughout the day. It doesn't mean I don't have a to-do list but like my to-do list still allows for curiosity where like maybe I'm like oh okay you know well you know i i i want to apply to a couple podcasts i'm like ooh what's this podcast ooh what's that you know and i'll follow that curiosity for a little bit and be like oh let me let me apply let me let me play today let me apply to a podcast that i never thought i could get into Right. Let me reach out to a company. Like this is some of the ridiculous things I've done even in the past. I remember watching a Marvel movie once and it said VP of Creative Services or something, Creative Director of something. And I remember watching the movie and being like, I'm gonna I'm gonna email that person right now. I'm gonna find them on LinkedIn, I'm gonna figure out their email, I'm gonna email them and I'm gonna start working for them. You know, so like there's 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 ways I can play in the work. And uh, my friend, Angie Cole, who I just love, um, talks about how, you know, there's a lot of, uh, masculine ways of, of leading and working and a lot of feminine ways of leading and working. And, and you both, you can have both. Um, and a lot of the masculine ways are like to do lists and, you know, results and getting things done, you know, and a lot of the more feminine ways are, are like, let, you know, organic and like you know, seeing more of the opportunities and, and following, you know, following like that inner spirit, right? She doesn't have a to-do list and she's crushing it, right? So, so there, so you have to figure out for yourself, how do you want to play? How do you want to show up? How do you want to work instead of thinking I have to do it this way? And believing that you have to do it the Gary Vaynerchuk way or, you know, the Brene Brown or Mel Robbins way and figure out, like, how do you want to do your work? Whether you work, you know, for a company or you work for yourself and, and then play within that. And especially during COVID times where, like, there's nobody that's an expert and anyone that claims they're a pandemic Perfectionist expert, they don't know what they're talking about. You are the expert of yourself, so listen to you because you know more than anyone else.
0: (laughs) Amen. Yeah, I I, the lifestyle first thing definitely. I mean, that's I'm 100 on on with that too. I mean, that's kind of what we teach, and it's like you know, if, if you're building a business, why not take a look at the lifestyle first, figure out what you want how you want your lifestyle to be and then integrate the business into that. I mean, otherwise you don't want to end up, you know, working 70 hours a week and then you quit and then you end up working 80 hours a week for yourself. It's like, this not a good trade. Um, and I like the idea of the, you know, building curiosity into your to-do list. A lot of us have to-do lists. So like, just kind of like being aware again, maybe cultivating an awareness around this idea of, okay, like wh- what am I doing today? Where, wh- what am I curious about? on this, like what can I maybe play with on this to-do list, which might sound kind of funny, but I guess just be like, maybe it's reframing instead of trying to dragging out the to-do list and being like, here we go again, you know, i got going to check all these off. It's like reframing it a bit. Right. Yeah.
1: And I think the other thing, and I was just saying this on a, on a, ironically a productivity podcast. Right. Um, and this productivity coach talked about in March, April and May, the way she worked with her clients was all about mental health. It had nothing to do with their work because mental health was the most important thing at that time. And that's what we have to actually look at. And then the other thing we have to look at is your to-do list. When was the last time you finished your to-do list?
0: When was the last time you finished Oh, no, you it? can never finish your to-do list. You never list. finish your no, to-do no, list, right? Never. So, oh, so gosh, what, that would be like, I don't know what happens. It's like getting to the end of the internet. Exactly. you know. You'd be like, what would I do?
1: <laughs> so why not look at your to-do list for the day, realize that you're not going to get everything done off it, right? Cross off the things that are least important on it, and then add in a little section for curiosity or some play thing, get your three or whatever important things that you have to get done, and then play a little bit and see where that might take you. Because that actually might help your business more than getting everything done on your to-do list.
0: How did you get into all this, man? I don't know the story, so I want to hear your, your superhero backstory, right? Sure. Was it Simone? And be like, you know what? I like to play. I'm just going to make a whole business about playing, and then I never have to, like, then I can always, like, be a kid, you know? I mean... I mean, sort of. Um, so, remember the movie Big? Yeah. Of course. So, Tom I Hanks. saw Big yeah.
1: when I was in fifth grade.
0: Maybe in third. This is your this is your origin story. This is my
1: origin story. You ready for the origin <laughs> story? This is the origin story. I saw Big. And as soon as I saw Big with Tom Hanks, great movie if you haven't watched it, he basically becomes a big kid. Even though he's like he's a kid, he wishes he's an adult, and then he becomes an adult. And yeah, he's an adult, but he's got like the but brain. He still of a has the little. mentality he's of a kid, too, yeah. right? So he goes to FAO Schwartz or some toy store one day, and he just starts dancing on the piano. And then the CEO starts dancing on the piano with him and it's just like, "Hey, I like you." And he offers him a job at a toys a toy company. And when I saw that, I was like, "Wait, what? Wait, what? What is that? You can you can play with toys for a living?" And I was and I started writing toy companies in 5th grade. Oh, this really? Wow. Yeah, I would write on my word processor. I didn't have like a computer at the time. I had a word processor. And I would type up these letters. And at first they were letters that were like, hire me. You know, like super short. Um, And they didn't realize I was in fifth grade. And then I would start writing these long letters, like five pages long with all of my ideas. And I'd send them to these toy companies and I would send. I remember sending one, and then it got sent back because I didn't put enough postage on it. So then my rationale was like, "Well, why don't I send five of the same letter?" So I started spamming toy companies before <laughs> spam was a thing. You know, <laughs> just mailing them out, and they old thought school it, spam. They thought I was a grown adult because they kept sending me these form letters back, like. Thank you, you know, but we have people for those blah blah blah. But eventually, in sophomore year, um, because I kept writing them, um, a company wrote. Wait, me wait, 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 wait! From fifth
0: grade through sophomore, sophomore year in high year, school, you were still writing still toy writing, companies. Maybe not as many, but like at least you know oh five gosh. to ten a year you
1: know I, Activision was making a new wrestling game and I was like I gotta send him my thoughts about their wrestling game you know um,
0: wait what was that game called? I like
1: that I, know, I forgot it was but you know what I'm talking about it was like this yeah, WWF yeah. game
0: oh yeah yeah it was I played awesome. that game and I was just like you yeah. need
1: to do you need to be able to smash them into the turnbuckle
0: you know <laughs> right yeah yeah you forgot the turnbuckle head butt smash thing yeah dude. you're not Come on. using
1: that Um, so I would be <laughs> sending them all these ideas and then sophomore year I remember starting to write them and asking them, what should I major in? And cap toys wrote me back and said, you should go into mechanical engineering. I shouldn't have listened to them, but I did. (laughs) And then I went to college in mechanical engineering. And while I was there, um, I was at Tufts and they were working on the Lego education software at the time. So like I got to help with that, which was super cool. We got to test pilot that. And then as soon as I graduated, I just applied to every toy company I could possibly imagine. I moved to New York, I snuck into Toy Fair, I begged all these toy companies. I even wrote, I even remember writing a letter to the Toys R Us Corporation being like, you need to open up your your toys um, in the store, and you're gonna sell more toys. And by writing that letter, that got me an interview with HR and HR was like, You're such a weird person. You know, do you want a job in our Toys R Us International wing, um, where it could lead to you being part of the product design team? Because I didn't even know Toys R Us designs toys. And I'm like, This is it. This is it, my dream. You it's know, just so thing I'm, you've I'm, done I'm,
0: since like fifth
1: grade. You know, you, the, yeah, you, from fifth grade to now. You kept like, doing it till you, do you actually want?
0: yeah like you never gave up that's really impressive i was
1: in brooklyn commuting to paramus new jersey and then uh 9 11 happened and i remember sitting in my cubicle in jersey um the towers are literally like like you know smoking or that area is smoking and i hated my job like I was in this cubicle and I just felt like my soul was being sucked out of me because no one was playing. No one, no one was, you know, there were no toys available. There were no kids hanging out. And I was just like thinking like, I don't want to die in here. And I remember telling my boss like maybe a week or two weeks later, like I can't be here, but I didn't leave Toys R Us. Instead I went So the store they were opening up in Times Square was going to be the largest toy store in the world. And I ended up playing with toys underneath a Jurassic Park animatronics, you know, like the the T-Rex from Jurassic Park. That's what I played under. And that was my job for like a year, just playing with toys underneath this T-Rex and hanging out with kids and coaching baseball. Um, And then I left that. Um, moved to the bay, worked for more toy companies, and every time I worked for a toy company, it just was so freaking disappointing. Um, and then because it was more corporate than you thought it was, it just wasn't, it just was like they were selling trinkets widgets like they were selling microwaves it really didn't really matter there was no one playful at these toy companies which was so disappointing and you know i had my quarter life crisis like a lot of people where you pursue your dream you get to your dream and you realize oh that's not it that's not the dream oh my gosh what am i gonna do and i remember like you know reading poe bronson and all these like life books you know um and i was like i have no idea what to do with my life And I remember hopping on Craigslist one day and finding this really, really like low paying job as a Lego engineering instructor. I was basically getting paid $150 a week. And, and I, I went to meet this organization and it was just these seven nerdy dudes just playing with Lego and teaching kids engineering with Lego. And I was just like, well, I could just do this on the side while I figure out what to do next with my life. And, and, Instead, I stayed with them for, I joined them in 2004 and I was with them till like basically t- 2020. Um, and we grew it into the largest Lego s- STEM organization in the in the US. And it was crazy, dude, because like four, we went from seven to 400 people. We went from like teaching teaching, uh, thousand kids to a hundred thousand kids a year. You know, we expanded all throughout the US. And at the end, at the end, I was teaching a million kids. We, you know, we were, te- we had probably taught a million kids in that span of time. And what was ironic was we started working with tech companies because they asked us, do you want to do, you know, do you have any team building programs? And we were like, oh, yeah, sure, even though we didn't. But the whole time we were designing this whole company, we were just playing and messing around. We had no idea what we were doing. We would pick cities because we wanted to visit them. We did no business plan. We just made it up. We would just say yes to opportunities, even though we didn't know how to do it. You know, like Facebook would be like, can you build this gigantic Facebook logo for us? Oh yeah, sure. We got to figure out how to build this Facebook logo, dude. You know, we broke world records. We did all these crazy things. But then while we were doing that, when I was working for a lot of these tech companies, consulting and doing these team building things, I noticed that a lot of them were not addressing their biggest issues. They would talk about creativity, collaboration, innovation, but they didn't want to touch stuff like, how do you deal with that a-hole at work? How do you deal with that toxic person at work? How do you not be racist at work? How do you address creativity by dealing with your inner critic? And I was like, I want to make an organization around play that tackles these crazy issues. How do you deal with the BS of office politics where everyone's like walking on eggshells and no one is saying what they really think? And I was like, I can do this through play. I can figure out ways to make an experiential play um, workshop where you put people in other people's shoes and they play out scenarios like having a hard conversation with someone you don't like and just seeing what might happen. So then I I made Rediscover Your Play with that concept. And I remember making the How to Deal with A-Holes at Work workshop with my friend Gary, and we just applied to really big conferences thinking no one would say yes and then huge conferences like South by Southwest and like Inbound said yes and then we were like oh crap we got to figure something out we got to we got to create this now and and by doing that we actually started winning awards which is hilarious and we were like recognized as like the top HR influencers of 2020. I don't know what that really means, but we got that award because we were willing to tackle stuff that nobody else wants to tackle, right? We were we were willing to address pain points, but in a really fun, dynamic, new, playful way, and that's where I'm at now, right? And then just random things like like I I met someone through um, the Everything Conference run by Vanessa Tharp. Um, or, you know, she helped design that. And I met someone um, who happened to be a freelance writer and I kind of helped her with her um, one with one of her articles. And then we just kept in touch via Instagram. And then one day she just reached out to me and was like, you want to uh, be part of this play article? And I was like, sure. Who is it for? And she's like, oh, the New York Times. Wait, what? You know? And then that just organically happened. You know, we she wrote it in 2019, COVID hit, and then probably was she didn't even know if it would ever gonna get released. And then all of a sudden it got released. I think in like April or May. Um, and I was like, sweet, this is awesome. Um, but that again was me just playing and connecting with people. So play has led me to this moment in time with such adventure. So why wouldn't I just continue
0: to follow this curious ride? Wow. What a story, man. I mean, there's so many things running through my head right now about your story. I mean, I just cannot believe the dedication that you had and the sort of the unwavering... Yeah, the unwavering dedication to this idea of working for these toy companies. And then just kind of your dedication to wanting play to be such a big part of your life. Like where, where does that come from really? Because a lot of people like I shouldn't, I don't want to generalize like that, but it's like, you know how it is. You're a kid and you just play all the time and then you grow, grow up and then you're like, I don't know. A a lot of people forget like the things that they love to do when they were kids and just stop doing them for whatever reason. I think that's
1: part of it. Right. There's, there's a moment when it was your last time you went to the playground. Like, That's a really sad moment. And you don't know that that's your moment. The
0: the last time I went was this morning. See,
1: so you go back (laughs) because you have a kid, right? But like where people are like, oh, that was the last time I went on a swing set, you know? And why do you do that? Because you wanted to impress somebody, right? You wanted to be like, well, now I got to be part of these cool kids, You know, I I tell this really embarrassing story of my teenage years, but it's all about leaving my play self to try to be cool only to realize that, what was I doing that in the first place? But I think people just continue to pursue that cool, wanting to belong and get accepted. And you do that in high school, then you go to college and you try to do that in college by, you know, doing whatever all the cool people are doing. Then you go to work and then it's all about comparing yourself to your, 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 you know, colleagues, you know, who has the best car, who has the best house you know, who's, like, getting a promotion, like, whatever boring, who's going out and partying the most, and then you get in your 30s, and then, you you know, who has the best family, you know, who's getting their kid into private school, like, you're just constantly in this boring rat race trying to impress people that you don't even care about, right? Just because you want to fit in, and it's just like, I just, I couldn't do that. It just seems so boring to me, and instead... I would be like, well, you know, if no one else wants to play on the dance floor, I'm just going to dance by myself on the dance floor, right? And I I reference this um, – watch this on YouTube if you get a chance. Um, it's this guy. He's at a festival and he's dancing at this festival. It's this weird festival in Portland, right? Um, and he's dancing in this weird, strange way. He's doing a lot of shoulder action, right? He's just – he's just – you know, he – Who knows? He's all of, all I know is he's fully present in the moment, enjoying himself. And then all these people start mocking him. And there's like many videos of him. One of them's 10 minutes of someone just laughing at him the whole time. But then there are these two people that eventually come over to him. And I think they first dance with him just to mock him. But as they, Come over to dance with him. They you know, start vibing off his energy, and they're like, ooh, this is kind of nice. And they start dancing, and they start having fun with this guy, right? And remind me, they're at a music festival, and everyone else is just watching these three people dancing. Well, after three people dance, some other people are like, man, he looks like he's having the best time. And those other two people are very excited. So I'm gonna go over there. So five more people go over, and then five more. And then within two minutes on this YouTube video that has like you know, tens of millions of views, he is then surrounded by 300 people, you know? And it's because he was willing to be his full, nerdy, weird self, willing to show up fully, and he didn't care what anyone else had to, what, what, you know, what they thought of him. And because of that, he was able to bring all this happiness to people's lives. And we all can do that when we fully show up, right? There's this, there's this quote, don't ask what the world needs, ask what makes you come alive, because what the world needs is for more people to come alive, right? We need more people to come alive right now. When do you feel alive? When you travel? When else do you feel alive? Not many other places. Then figure out what that is because that's what we need. We need other examples of that instead of us being on our phones all day, instead of us trying to fill that hole with, with Netflix, with buying more Amazon boxes, with like just getting things that just don't provide us true happiness and
0: fulfillment. Sign up over there at com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. My wife, we always have the saying, uh, you owe it to yourself to be yourself, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, There's a lot of wacky dancing going on in this house. I'll tell you that. (laughs) It feels good to just release in that way. It's so easy to kind of forget, like you can just design your own business and it can literally be whatever you want. Like you're just like, hey, I'm just gonna like make these workshops, and I'm gonna I'm gonna basically help people through play because I love to play and I love to teach people this and talk about it, and it's just like bam, all right, I'm gonna create this, and here it is, and I think there is a like some of these online businesses that they can become. it, It looks like everybody has it all together, but as you just heard, like from what you said, from what Jeff said. You know, you're just figuring it out as you go. And even when you're working at the Lego Corporation, which sounds like, you know, they would have their stuff together, whatever, like, you know, these programs don't exist. All right. I guess we're going to make them. I guess we're going to figure out how to make a Facebook logo. It's like everybody's just figuring it out. Right. But like you have to be willing to kind of put yourself in that position where you're like you're willing to take things on and, and kind of figure it out as you go. Right. And that's that can be scary. But I think you also yeah. have
1: to embrace the fact that it's not going to be all rosy all the time, that a lot of times it really feels like a roller coaster at times where you like go down that rut and you're like, I'm never going to get out of that rut. You know, I, I remember seeing this TikTok recently where this the guy goes, you know, you know, when you start your business, you start with ignorant optimism. You're like, it's going to go amazing. Right. And then you go down this rut, this really rough stage where you're just getting rejected all the time. But you know, if you're willing to sit in that and kind of enjoy the ride and learn from the failures then you actually come out of that so much more powerful. And also, there's something really exciting about the failures. When you talk to musicians, you know, like famous musicians, and you ask them, what is your favorite time? They don't actually talk about the times when they were famous. They talk about all those rough times when they were traveling in that nasty, you know, van, you know, driving to South by Southwest and then performing at a bar here and getting stuff thrown. Before it all happened, because it was like the. It was a memorable moment, you know. It might have been painful at the time, but looking back out of it, you're like, oh, that was kind of joyful. That was kind of hilarious, right? That was ridiculous. I can't believe we did that. Um, and I think people just need to learn how to enjoy that ride more and know that it's not always going to be perfect. And frankly, you don't want it to always be perfect. That's You need, it, you need to be in those ruts. You need to feel that pain in order yeah. to also feel that joy.
0: Yeah, I mean, this goes back to the quote you said from the. I can't remember if he said it was a Harvard somebody. Oh, Sean, the, the Sean Anchor, of, yeah. Yeah, like happiness is uh, you're uh, striving to reach your full potential, which is basically enjoying the process, living in that moment of the process and and enjoying it. I mean, this goes for everybody. Like when it comes to travel, too, I'm pretty fascinated with the whole journey before the journey, is what I call it, where you're. You're somebody who's like, maybe you're in a full-time job and you want to travel or you're ramping up to travel the world. You're trying to figure out, okay, how can I do it? You know, maybe I want to quit my job and travel full-time or become a nomad, or I just want to add more travel into my life. And like, just by having that intention, it kind of like makes you face some big questions right away, right? If you're like, all right, if I want this in my life, that means I'm going to need to change my life or maybe make some big changes in my life. Okay, what does that mean? am I going to keep my job? Am I going to keep my house or am I going to sell it? Am I going to like get rid of my stuff? And it's like all of a sudden now, just, just the decision to add more travel into your life or to take a gap year or something like that is now becoming this like life-altering thing before you even go on the trip. Exactly. <laughs> you there, know what I mean? <laughs> there's
1: something so powerful about the the anticipation. You know, there's this, you know, when you set up, um, you know, your next travel trip, you're like, You know the months beforehand and they've studied this a lot in positive psychology you actually gain more happiness more fulfillment just thinking about it even more than when you actually go first go on the trip so like there's 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 just like um there's there's a lot of energy around that which then gives you more energy to start thinking about well what else is possible right you know and um There's this amazing camp indie person, Stephanie Lay, she taught me this uh, in one of her talks recently that she's, I think she spoke on um, the Nomadic Network where she was able to get over her fear of just life by traveling and taking risks, by simply, you know, feeling really awkward when she was at a hostel and being like okay you know what i don't know what to do i'm gonna say hello to these people and then all of a sudden Her whole travel situation changed because she now started traveling with these people. And then she was like, oh my gosh, I can do that? Now I'm going to say hello to these people. I'm going to travel with them. Now I'm going to say hello to this person that doesn't speak any English. I'm going to use Google Translate and then we're going to become best friends in the next like 48 hours. And just that bravery then made her shift her entire life to be like, all right, I'm going to live a nomadic life. You know, something she would have never thought a year ago, but travel changed that mindset. And she even taught me this, that even now during COVID times when she can't travel, she instead, because she feels like an introvert a lot of the times, she found Camp Indy and she found these other networks of people that travel. And now she feels like she's traveling even during COVID times, right? And that's like the power of like, your willingness to take a risk And do the thing that you used to do when you were a kid when you played, where you were like, I don't know if I can leap from this one pole to this next pole, but I'm going to try it and just see what happens. And you're still doing that now as an adult. You have that opportunity every day to take that risk.
0: Yes. I was climbing a tree yesterday, actually. My daughter was like, she was looking at me. She's like, oh my gosh. She's like, are you scared? And I was like, "Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> like it's uh, this isn't something I do every day." But I said, uh, "It's okay to be a little scared sometimes. And sometimes it's fun to be a little scared when you're doing something because you don't know if it's exactly going to work out." Now, I didn't really want to fall and dislocate my shoulder or anything. It's funny how uh, we get when we're older, doing those stupid games is always it's always fun. You mentioned Camp Indie. I mean you uh that that was the event we were running which is like another big reason why we decided to do it as summer camp because we're like well how can we take like the normal sort of boring conference experience and like make it fun okay let's do it at a summer camp and then you were going to come and so kindly uh grace us with your presence and speak and we were going to hang out there it got canceled because of covid we're hoping to do it this year so i just wanted if people heard you mention that then i wanted people to know that uh what it is that we're talking about. If you want to come hang out with us in person, hopefully, knock on wood, this uh, coming summer, then just go to campindy.com and check that out. You know, I mentioned something before that struck me, and it was this idea of, you know, you were kind of mocking the, the teacher that I might be like, are you guys having fun now? Are you having fun? And, like, I found myself doing that as a parent, right? And this got me thinking of, like, this idea of, like, it's, it's not a good thing to try to, like, define, always define the moment with words, Like, let the moment just be the moment.
1: Yeah, let it be magic. Let it be magical, you know? Let it be whatever you feel like being. And a lot of times, and I think people forget about this, our best teachers of play are children, right? Sometimes you can follow what the child is doing, and the child will show you how to be present, right? Um, I mean, they'll show you sometimes in ways where they'll do something dangerous, and you're like, no, no. And then you're fully present. You forget about all your worries. But there are other times when they're just like, just watch them sometimes. Right. And they're just, you know, they're walking and all of a sudden they're like, pew, 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 pew. and you're like, what happened? You're like, I'm in a candy cane cotton candy uh, cloud right now. Okay. Like, that's amazing. Can I be there too? Sure. Come on in. You know, it's amazing what they are able to teach us. And I think a lot of times we feel this need to teach them when, I've been saying this on a lot of uh, podcasts uh, that parents listen to um, where a kid does not listen to your words as much as they listen to your actions. They watch your actions and then they model your actions, right? And like when you're thinking about, well, you know, what what is it that I can do to inspire my kid? Probably one of the most impressive things you can do is to pursue something that you're really – scared and excited about and then also share that vulnerability with them and be like like what you said as you were climbing the tree they're like you're like i'm scared i can be an adult i can be scared and i also can be excited as i climb this tree because then they see how like oh that's how to be a full human being instead of us trying to be perfect for them or for anyone else you know and i think that is really powerful just not just for kids, but just for us to embrace in our own life that we don't, that we should show up imperfectly. That there's something magical about us being imperfect. And like, and that perfection is so boring. No one like that's why so many conversations are so boring. Because we're both trying to have um we both have our perfect facades, and then we're like, okay, well based off of our perfect facades what kind of conversation can i have um weather i can talk about the weather that's that's safe you know that's safe i can talk to them about how their day's going you know i can talk to them about what they do for a living Who cares? Who cares about all that stuff? That stuff doesn't define you. I want to know the weirdest thing about you. That is one of my first questions I want to ask you. Why are you so – what's so weird about you? Share me on that. I want to – I'd learn more about you by you answering that question than you telling me what you do for a living. That's just such a boring question.
0: What's the weirdest thing about you that somebody doesn't know? Ooh,
1: turning it around, no, right no, on you. Do there. it, do it. <laughs> the reason why I go ooh is because I'm like ooh. That's there's a lot of weird things. <laughs> um, which one do I want to share? <laughs> I probably have five different characters that show up in my voices that I don't realize. They just kind of show up all, all ironically. I, I even have a New Jersey uh, Jewish mom accent that just shows up once in a while. And I remember this is how I met my girlfriend. Um, I was, we were all hanging out. You know, everyone was just friends, and we're going to a bar, and um, we all made a pact that we were all going to take on accents, and the first person to break the accent had to buy drinks for everybody else. And then for four hours, because we're all so cheap, no one broke their accent. So I was doing this New Jersey Jewish mom accent. So insulting. I'm so – I apologize to all the moms out the Jewish moms from New Jersey out there. But I stuck with it. And she did a Valley Girl accent the whole time. And I was like, this is someone that I want to marry. This person right here. Because so, so yes, I have a lot of weird characters inside my body. Um, So yeah, that's one of my weird things. Um, Also, when I was a kid, I used to eat my boogers because I thought it made me go faster. That was another weird thing. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I I got a lot of weird things.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's good fuel. (laughs) Here's my rocket fuel. I I literally would be like eating it right before a race. It was so weird. I called it vitamin
1: G for gunk. <laughs> vitamin G. All right. Did you have siblings growing up or? Yeah. So I have two older sisters. Where did you grow up? I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. Um, and, you know, part of the reason, you know, my sister Tanya and Shayna both traveled a ton. They actually both lived abroad. Tanya lived in uh, Columbia, for a brief amount of time, like two years, two, three years, um, in Medellin before it became like a digital nomad place, right? Um, And then Shayna lived in France, Japan, and China. Um, And yeah, I think she knows like four languages or five languages now. But we got our travel itch because my parents are from the Philippines – And uh, St. Vincent, this small Caribbean island off the coast of Barbados. So just because we would go back and forth visiting families so much, we will also hit up other islands and other random places. And we just got the, the, we got the travelage, man. And now I feel, and I'm sure you feel this too, is just like, when I haven't been out of the country in a while, I feel this, not only this, this angst, but I feel like I'm in a rut Because I need to go to another country just to show me, oh yeah, the American way is not the only way. And also there's a lot of really other cool ways in which people are living that are not American. And I remember this when I was in Amsterdam with my nephew and this guy was just playing some random weird guitar thing that wasn't a guitar in some Amsterdam bar. And my nephew, who was like 10 at the time, went up to him and was like, why do you play this? Do you get paid to play this? Because my nephew's from America, right? And he's like, no, I play it because it's enjoyable. People do that. (laughs) And and it was just, you could see the shift in my nephew's brain because he's like, oh, I didn't know that. You know, so like I need to do that because I need to be challenged of my own core values so I can Hmm. think differently.
0: Hmm, Yeah, what do you think about the, uh, the state of culture? in America right now as it relates to play for adults? Oh, it is bad. I mean, the state of it's, I mean,
1: so, so the way in which I, I think of America, because, you know, I, st- I remember studying abroad in Australia and I remember people coming up to me, this, and this was like, this was like 1999. And they'd be like, what's wrong with America back in 1999. This is before George W. Bush, right? Um, before Trump, all that. And it was, America is so young. We're like 200 odd years old, right? 230 or 40 years old. So it's, it's almost like a, a spoiled kid who's constantly telling everyone else that they're number one while all the grown adults and all like the teenagers and all the other older kids in the room, right? All the other countries are like, which are thousands of years old in many or their cultures are in some ways are just like looking at us like, man, you're just so young and like immature. And the whole time we're like, we're the best. And it's just like the best at what? Like, what are you the best at? And I think what COVID did was it revealed that, you know, um, we're a third world country with a Gucci belt on in many ways. <laughs> you know, we, 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 we've been trying for so long to prove how great we are and working so hard, like doing our two weeks of vacation and not even taking our two weeks of vacation, you know, and working 80 hour weeks or whatever we do to prove how great we are. And in the process, a lot of Americans are miserable, dude. Um, and I know when I look at my family here in America, in comparison to my family in the Philippines, family that i know that are that are living in like shacks on dirt floors they know how to be more present and happy with their lives than a lot of my family that are either american or or following american values where they're just gathering a lot of stuff um and we're just so consumeristic that you know we've just forgotten how to play we've forgotten how to be present um yeah what have you learned from your family on on those through
0: those experiences.
1: It's just that like stuff is kind of a waste,
0: <laughs> you know, like the stuff, stuff as in material, yeah, material,
1: stuff. like material wealth um, is not not only is it not going to bring you happiness, but I came up with this term recently and I got to make a TikTok about it, but I refer to it as affluent deadness. America suffers from affluent deadness. And what I mean by that is we have everything we have all the stuff and even with all the stuff we we look dead in our eyes i've met so many millionaires multi-millionaires that could travel the world for years and they spend most of their time stressed about the, either the stuff they're buying stressed about losing all the stuff losing all their money right stressed about um someone's potentially taking all their stuff or stressed about the fact that they don't have as much stuff as the person next to them that has more stuff. Right. And George Carlin, you know, did this whole bit about stuff where he's just like, People are obsessed with stuff that we get so much stuff and then we fill our garages full of stuff and then we buy storage units to put more stuff in and then we go travel and then we don't, we have all these drawers that are available and we're like, we got to buy more stuff and then just to get more stuff and the whole time we're trying to fill this void that never fills and you can see that affluent deadness whenever I've gone to these rich parties and nobody has having fun. Everyone is trying to look perfect. Everyone's trying to impress one another. And then I'm out on the dance floor with the other weirdos, you know, just having a good time. And then people come up to us and they're like, oh, I want to hang out with you because I'm not having fun. And it's because they're suffering from this affluency that has not provided them anything for their soul. If anything, it sucked so much of their soul and they just continue to. Um, gorge, thinking that one day they'll be fulfilled, and they never will. Hmm. So that's the state of culture. In America. That's the culture of America. <laughs> Affluent deadness is the culture of America. <laughs> and, oh man! And, and you know, and you know, trying to on the flip side of the positive part of it, right, is like at the same time you have people that are still, even though, you know, we're not meeting any of the ideals, you still have people that are fighting for the ideals of America, right? You know, and and I referenced this recently in an article, you know, about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and if she taught anyone anything, you know, her life is that, she always was surrounded by people in power and she was one of always the minorities there right she was always the the only progressive the only female there and she still fought even she would still dissent she still showed up fully you know was fully alive Um, And she still never like depended on someone else to save us. And I think in America, we've bought into this this hero worship that there's like these people and we have to follow these heroes when, frankly, you are the hero of your own story. So you should just own that and like and and believe that you are as amazing as a uh Gary Vaynerchuk or, you know, a Tony Robbins, that you can do something as dope in your own way and you simply need to get quiet enough, start playing, listen to your curiosity, and then choke up.
0: Yeah, and like you said, uh, show up fully as your imperfect self, I think you said before, which uh, I absolutely love. Any book recommendations? You mentioned a couple books and uh, I'm a big reader and I know a lot of people listening like to read as well. So that doesn't have to be about around play or anything, but just in yeah, general, yeah. a couple the, the, like one so, or two books that have really changed your life. I'd like to hear what they the, are. The,
1: the most recent ones that I've been super into. Um, well, first you got to start with Elizabeth Gilbert's big magic, right? Which is all about creativity. But the thing that I love that she says, she says this in the book, but she just also says it in life is She's never seen someone go through personal transformation that hasn't gotten tired of their own bullshit. And what's interesting, uh, what I love about that quote is back when COVID first hit, I wasn't making any videos. And then COVID hit, and I the whole time I'd been like, well, I don't have time. You know, I'm so busy. I have work. I have just so many things. And then COVID hit and it was just like, you have all the time in the world. What are you gonna do now? You know, and I had to face my own bullshit. So that's a really interesting thing to explore. What is the bullshit that you keep telling yourself? And when are you gonna get tired of it? Right. So that's one that I really love. Um, um a book I'm reading right now, which is about America, and this kind of ties into the affluent deadness, is Winner Winners Take All by Anand Gerdegas. Um, and basically he talks about how um He asked the question, should billionaires exist? Because as long as people live in poverty, billionaires shouldn't exist. But he goes even further to describe how not only billionaires shouldn't exist, but when we glorify billionaires, we ignore the fact that they are whitewashing their um, image. And what's interesting is someone like Elon Musk or someone like, you know, um, uh, Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook do all these atrocities take all this money from the government, right? And then they do some charity on the side or they create this foundation, which still is their money. So they're just transferring their wealth to a foundation. So when they say I'm donating 99% of my money when I die, yeah, you're transferring it to your own foundation where you control all the money. And if they simply were taxed the way they should be, we could actually take we could actually benefit more than having charity because charity is a waste of time. They should just don't they should just be taxed the way they should be. So that one's really good because that just shifts your your um, image on like the Elon Musk's of the world, because that dude inherited a ton of money and then also stole many of the ideas around Tesla. But no one knows that because everyone explores and it's just like, he's, a, he's amazing and he did it all on his own. No, he didn't. You know. So we have to not buy into a lot of these hero worship because you, if you found out the real story, you'd realize like, oh, that's why they're so successful. And why I can also do self, but I need also support as well. Um, And then the third book is this one called Cure for Stupidity by Eric Bailey. And that is simply asking the question when you're having conversations, would you rather understand or be right? Because you can't be one or the other, you know, um, and it just challenges your fallacies about, you know, trying to be right. Because I think more a majority of the time, especially in America, we always want we say we want to understand, but really what we want to do is tell everyone how right we are.
0: Wow. All right. Those are those sound like three interesting What was the second book title again? Give me that one, The Billionaire. Oh, it,
1: winners Take All
0: Winners by, Take by All by okay.
1: Anand Gerdagas.
0: Got it. Well, speaking of challenges, I mean, as we kind of wrap up here, I appreciate your time. I mean, I think we could we could keep talking and talking and talking, but I know you're going to get about your day at some point. Maybe we'll have to have a, you back on for a part two. I mean, be in person that would be great. That would be dope. What would you challenge people listening to do?
1: Today? Oh, so I do challenge. I love the Goodwill Hunt people. remember Goodwill <laughs> Hunting? Oh yeah, great movie. So, so for anyone that doesn't remember the ending, part of the ending was Matt Damon's character was a genius, right? Um and Spoiler alert by the way if you haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah, this is a spoiler alert, right? Um and he's um he's at a construction site with his best friend Ben Affleck, right? And he, they're working construction because, you know, Matt Damon's trying to shun the genius that he has. And Damon says to him, he goes, you know, we're we're gonna be, I'm gonna be living here and you know, uh, taking my kids to Foley Field with you. And I remember, and Ben Affleck turns to him and he goes, if you're here in 20 years, I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna kill you. And and Matt Damon is like, what, what, what? I owe it to myself. I have this great talent. He's like, no, you don't owe it to yourself. You owe it to all of us because any of us would give anything to have what you have. You're sitting on a winning lottery ticket and you're too scared to cash it in. And that's my challenge to all your listeners is you all are sitting on a winning lottery ticket. So what are you going to do with it? How are you going to actually show up? Because not only do you have to show up for yourself, but there's somebody, and I truly believe this in my soul, that is waiting for you to show up so they could show up. There's a ripple effect that has to happen. But until you write that book, until you write that blog, until you quit that job and do that travel like dream trip you've always wanted, until you go talk to that person you've been super nervous to talk to, until you do all those things, one of those things, that other person can't show up and and it's 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 your responsibility in your life to do this. If there's one thing you can do to contribute to work, to this world is to be fully you because when you are, you just give freedom for everyone else to be as well.
0: Thank you. Thank you man. Thanks for your time and if you go to rediscoveryourplay.com, you can learn more about jeff harry and also don't be afraid to play a little lava carpet on the way to the bathroom today oh you know, yeah you know <laughs> <laughs> this was fun i appreciate your insight and uh, insights and uh yeah hearing your perspectives and get, gave me a good kick in the butt to continue my day over here so Let's man, oh last thing tell me your best uh we'll call it a dad joke oh Got what? one? Oh, yeah. Got well, one I, I don't know if it's a dad joke, but I made up
1: this joke when I was uh, in third grade, and I thought it was a genius joke,
0: <laughs>
1: which means it's really bad. What what type of nut goes to the bathroom? What? A peanut.
0: Oh, <laughs> peanut
1: It's so worse. I,
0: I thought I was a genius comedian when I wrote that <laughs> joke and I submitted it. No one liked it. I was like, what are you talking about? This is amazing. This is. Come on. Magic, play on words. People. Nailed it. Well, thanks for your time, man. Yeah. And if uh, you can hear some uh, noise in the background, that's my son, my little peanut, coming in to get his uh, poopy diaper changed. So I'm going to let you go. <laughs> hey, thanks so much, man. Thanks, Jeff. Take care. Take care. See ya. There you have it. Thank you once again to Jeff for stopping by the show and sharing a bit about his work and what he does. And I just find this so fascinating, this concept that you can create a job for yourself around something you love and and that something can just be the concept of play and playing. I just think that's so wonderful what he's done and how he's helping people rediscover their uh, play, and certainly this conversation helped me do that in some ways. I mean anytime you create an awareness around something like this through through a conversation whether you're you're in the conversation or you're listening to it uh, as the podcast listener, it does kind of get you thinking about things differently at least for a period of time, at least maybe for the rest of the day and sometimes that carries over to the next day and the next day and one of the things that I'm taking away is just to remember to play every day some times those days go by where you don't really play and that's not good like i said at the top of the show we don't know how many days we have so let's play some more right and i love to play you know one of the things that i love to do is just dance around and put on a silly show for no reason. My wife and I do this around the house sometimes. and It's just like spontaneous. She'll start spontaneously breaking out and dance all of a sudden. It's just the best. I love, oh, here she goes, here she goes. And she just (laughs) starts tearing it up uh, to some music in her head or or what we have on the radio. It doesn't matter. And uh, just being silly, just being goofy. And I love to be silly and goofy myself. Maybe you can tell that from from listening to the show it's just fun and uh it's just fun to let loose it's it's like this um it is sort of like uh, the release valve from adulting right the adulting thing is kind of weigh you down sometimes it's kind of like a thing that can lift off the weights and help you relax you know and I don't necessarily be like need to be giggling and doing something goofy to play I mean You know, play to me might be taking a walk too and just kicking a stone or something like that. And, uh, you know, having two small kids is a good reminder that uh, of how important play is. And also, of course, I get more play in my life with them. But, uh, you know, Jeff reminded me today to just, you know, play on my own too. Play and have fun with things. And why not? Why not more play? Why not uh, more fun in our days? And uh, I, I love how this concept really relates to travel. And one of the quotes he shared, expectations are the thief of joy. And I think that uh, that is uh, true in travel as well. So we got to manage our uh, expectations in the things that we do. Maybe uh, ideally, maybe not have too many and just enjoy that process. Uh, That's uh, one big takeaways I had from this chat, what were some of your takeaways? You can always reach out to me and let me know. Jason at zero to travel.com is my email. I've been uh, soliciting some audio messages from you fine folks out there in the listening community asking you to drop me a line. Just open up your smartphone and record some audio and send it my way so I can hear your voice and we can uh, share it on the show. I just got one that uh, I'm not gonna share in today's show, but it was somebody out on the road trip in texas so i just love i love audio you might have guessed as a podcast host and uh, i just love when i can get a bit of audio and get to hear from you so if you're going to reach out of course you can always write me but if you have time to record a message don't be shy just record it and send it over my way you got the email address you know what's up thank you so much for being a listener of this show and uh, part of this community if you're not signed up over at zero to travel.com You should do that because we have some stuff going on off the podcast that can help you travel more. And you get a lot on the podcast, but I would love for you to join the community there and you can sign up anytime right on the homepage. Okay, before I give a shout out and share a quote to send you off with... I'm going to say a quick thank you to Tortuga Backpacks for supporting today's show. Again, tortugabackpacks.com zero. When you go through that link, you'll also be supporting this show because they are a partner and I have had them in my life, I guess, and on this show for four or five years now. And this is how long I've been using their travel gear. Love the Tortuga Backpacks and you can get a uh, sale price. On their gear now, up until December 21st, they never do these sales. So this was really cool when Fred, the owner, emailed me and, and said he wanted to do this sale. I was like, right on! This is a chance for people to get your stuff when when they can never get it on sale. So if you spend 200 bucks, you get 20% off. 300, you get 25% off. 500, you get 30% off. No discount code required or anything. The discounts automatically applied at checkout. You just need to go to TortugaBackpacks.com/zero. Do all your shopping. And then you'll get that discount when you check out based on how much you spend. So check out their backpacks. Take the backpack quiz. They're an awesome small company. These packs were built by travelers for travelers. And just high quality, great stuff. So pick up a little gift for yourself or your friends or your family. And thanks to them for supporting today's show. Now this shout out goes to Lauren, who took the time to write me the other week. She even sent me an attachment of a video of uh, Blue Jay, who comes to her deck to take a bath every day. So that was a little bit of a a zen video for me to get. Anyway, uh, she said, uh, hey, we live in San Francisco Bay Area in Concord, a small town in the East Bay with my husband. Love your podcast so much. Started listening after the lockdown during springtime. It was a great Zen moment to listen to you on Zero to Travel. It diverted our attention from all the sad news from the pandemic happening around the world and here at home. She goes on to uh, talk about some of their travel. She said, some years ago before getting married, my trips included Cartagena, Colombia, Cancun, Mexico, Portland, Oregon, and Northbrook, Illinois. All unforgettable journeys. (laughs) I love This is what I love about travel is... It's so subjective, like what people can get out of it. I would never imagine seeing a Northbrook, Illinois on that list and next to unforgettable journeys. But travel is so meaningful. It's such a personal thing, right? The experience of travel is so personal. I love that that's on the list. And I have towns like that or small cities that, you know, for somebody else, it might have just been like a place to pass through or nothing special. But for me, it meant, it meant something. And uh, so thank you for sharing this list. Uh, She goes on to say, our extreme moment was uh, leaving home when we were young and emigrating to America from El Salvador as the war-torn, beautiful homeland was getting a bit difficult to get by. And we are here in California, been here for 35 years. It looks like yesterday uh, when we started this journey. Goes on to say, thank you for the great information. It teleports us to all the places we probably will never go, like Antarctica, but we've been there through your podcast. Yay. Thank you so much for taking the time to write, Lauren, and I really appreciate you and the fact that you shared your story. And again, you can always reach out, com I read all these emails and love getting them. And again, thanks for the little Blue Jay video there. That was cool. All right. Now, a quote from the mystical, magical quote drawer pulled out at random. This is from Nan Hue Chin, who said, We leave this world with nothing no medals, no rewards, no success, no failure. Hmm. Mm, mm, mm. powerful stuff there <laughs> all right thanks a lot have a wonderful day smile take a chance today go out and play i'll see you next time peace and love this
1: podcast has been brought to you by zero to ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality